Hello fam, Ken Mills here once again with World of Comedy 5 Entertainment. So to give you the idea of what unbiased is, we always see things on social media and also in the world where we wonder what is the thought process behind these idiotic things that people do. We're going to give an honest unbiased opinion. So with that being said, we're going to cover several different topics. We're going to be truly unbiased this season. Ken Mills here once again with Unbiased. And today, I always say it's a special episode, but this one, I mean, this one is going to be really epic. I have two of my comedy brothers here with me. Now, we're going to talk about a topic that everybody wants to strive for, which is success. Rising to the top. A lot of people think you could be an overnight success, an overnight celebrity. On the first episode of Unbiased, we had Al Freeman. Al Freeman told us that some people come into this game of comedy and they feel within six months they can beat Kevin Hart. But you have to be tried and true. Well, tonight, we have two individuals that are truly tried and true. I've worked with them and I know their dexterity in comedy and also as people they're as genuine as they could possibly be. Now, when you talk about going to the top, this outside of comedy, this is just regular life. When you go outside, and you want to be the best that you could be, there's a few things that you need to start thinking of. Like number one, what is my presence? When I step into a room, what do people think, right? Some of us don't care what people think, but that's the unknown secret. You want people to see the excellence that you have and that you try to exude. Secondly, what's your work ethic like? If you say you want to be great at something, how hard are you working toward it, right? So, I mean, one day you can't just sit on the couch and say, hey, I'm going to get a million dollars. God is not a genie. You can't just rub him and get a million dollars. I tried. You can't do lotto. Some people hit lotto, they might make a million. But there's a stepping stone. There's steps that you have to take in order to get there. And lastly, how do you feel on the inside? That's the most important part, is the self-love. You can't neglect yourself. Because for the marathon that people want to go on for the strive for success, you have to have that right, that right sense of being in order to make it. So now we're going to cover all this here. And hey, I hope you like it. And I know you will. And what I'd like for y'all to start doing, while you're watching the episode, and I know you see it on YouTube or Facebook, Go ahead and drop a line in that chat. Drop a line in the inbox. Let us know how we're doing here. If there's things that you want to see here, different topics, let us know. But tonight, we're going to the top. So let's take a quick commercial break, and when we return, we have our first illustrious guest. watching a great show on Boss Up Houston Network. Have you heard? They're bossing up, okay? And I heard they're looking for you. Any podcasters, talk show hosts, if you're a writer or producer, we definitely need you. Come aboard and boss up. 
Are you a small business owner that is struggling to promote your company? Our topic today is what's your status? Shoot the dice at this yeah, point. Yeah, just shoot the dice, roll the dice. So. Hey, how y'all doing? It's attorney. Uh, yeah. right. Bye. Get out of Victoria Blanco. <laughs> I love it. Imagine being televised on a national platform. How about being a host or sponsor on a syndicated podcast? Or being featured on exclusive promotions and interview for your product to your ideal customer? Hi, I'm Kayla Sneed, and I'm head of sales with Boss Up Houston. And here at Boss Up, we like to help small business owners and entrepreneurs advertise, promote, or become a sponsor for one of our television, podcasts, or radio shows. All you have to do is click the link down below to see if you qualify. I'll be seeing you soon. This is Boss Up Houston, where we look up, stay up, and boss up. Alright family, we're back here now. So this gentleman to my left, I've known this, I've known this gentleman for the last two years. I mean, he's a phenomenal comedian, an even greater person. I'm bringing to you tonight, Ben Daniel. How you doing, Ben? How you doing, Ken? Thank you for having me, bro. No problem, man. Long time overdue. It is. I'm, I'm glad we get to see each other again. It's been too long since we worked together. Like, it's been Valentine's Day plus since we did a library, huh? Yeah, that's right, that's right. And uh, I appreciate you from then. You came out your element. You came in there to kick it with us. And now we see that you're generating your own element. Man, right? man. I'm sorry that Texas City show fell through, man. I was looking forward to bringing you down, bro. Like, I wanted to repay the favor so bad, and they just pulled it because of COVID, man. As soon as we get that rescheduled, you'll come back down my way, and uh, I'll repay the hospitality. Man, we look, we got time. Like uh, the elders used to tell me, they say we're on a marathon, so. Not a sprint. Yeah, we're going to be there. So, one thing I, I wanted to touch on, so to all the viewers here, so Ben, he does phenomenal things in comedy in Houston, right? So, uh, he started off uh, from the baseline of a comedian. Now he's producing his own shows. He's touring uh, within Texas and abroad as well. So, tell the people about your produced shows. Like, because, I mean, you have an interesting concept. So, the shocker concept. Shocker is a concept that was born out of mine and my friend Jesse Payton's irritation with cancel culture, with lack of tolerance for jokes, with, oh, you can't joke about that. This is too sensitive right now. This is too soon. Like, it's, it's handcuffs on comics. So I wanted to give a space for comics to be able to just go try whatever. A crowd that knows what they're walking into. No holds barred. We're up front on the flyer. It's highly offensive comedy. It's all of the things you can't do inside the loop. It's a place where you can go have fun for a night. Be free. It's a crowd of my people and his people and people who just want to laugh. Hmm. And I feel like we need that. We need... I'm not saying every show has to be that. But I'm saying we need, need that gear. We need that option. Like, we, we're not going to stop writing these jokes even if people say they're inappropriate. We need to have some place to perform them and be ourselves. Right. So the thing that I wanted to do when I'm biased as a talk show is to come on different aspects where we talk about things that people may be afraid to talk about, right? And what you do with your comedy is basically the same concept because you're meeting it head on, face first, right? 
it's a checklist of these are all the topics people have told me you can't write jokes about. And that list is my set. You give me something else you say I can't write a joke about, I guarantee you it will be in there tomorrow. Like, this is art. This is our freedom of expression. Nobody for a check, nobody for a venue gets to put a box around what we do. Like, my art's going to be my art. That's it. See, because I go back to the first show we worked together. You did a slew of R. Kelly's. I love making R. Kelly jokes. <laughs> now, that concept or that topic, that content right now is so relevant. I was going to stop doing them when he stopped being in the news, and it hasn't happened yet. I've been doing those jokes for two and a half years, and every time I think I'm done with the R. Kelly jokes, he does something else stupid, and he pops up in the news. <laughs> He's made the news eight times from jail in the past six months. Like, how can I stop? Let me tell you why I do R. Kelly jokes for real. It's because I was like three months in and I wrote one and I figured out it was a cheat code. Mm. Nobody's ever gotten mad at me for making fun of a pedophile. Who wants to defend a pedophile? Nobody gets mad at me for those jokes. I'm making fun of a sex offender. Yeah. It's the worst person you can be. Like, I'm not pro R. Kelly. I'm not pro anything about him. I'm not defending him. Right. I'm just ripping him for like three minutes and moving on with my life. It's fun. Right. Like, it's safe. But the thing is, you're saying things that people already think about, and they wish they could say, but they feel harnessed by something. They feel harnessed either by society um, or by career. Yeah. That I'm going to tell you the secret to why I get to be me. Be honest. Jesse Payton's my best friend. He's the biggest booker in Houston. He has no filter for comedy. I'm not going to tell a joke that makes him stop booking me. Hmm. There's no cancel me. It's like Superman. Like you gotta find my kryptonite, but it ain't gonna be jokes and words. There, I, I'm the one who can say whatever because I have that net down there. Like, oh, what are you gonna do? Be mad? Mm -hmm. Write angry things on my Facebook post? Right. Still gonna get booked. Right. Still gonna be in there on the stages you wanna be on, telling the jokes you wish you could. And I wish more people would feel that way. I wish more people would feel uh, that unabashed freedom. Because what I would say is it's a mentality. It's a mentality because, like I was telling poor Pimp about two shows back, I was telling him, like, hey, nobody can blackball you if you have true talent, right? So if you have true talent and you have a know-how, you always have an uh, a avenue or a mechanism to get your talent out. Um, I just wish people would not be so afraid to be themselves. Everybody thinks making it means one thing. Everybody thinks making it means TV or Netflix, where you have to be doing this type of comedy in this box. And if you're over here doing this thing, they'll never book you for this. And it's like, man, there's probably 500 comics in my cell phone, fam. We ain't all getting Netflix deals. Hmm. It ain't happening. Mm -mm. We should do the thing for the thing itself. That's right. Like, I'm not getting rich doing this. I don't know about you, but feature pay in stand-up comedy in Houston is not survivable. Right. Not doing this for the money or for any of that. It's just go make people laugh the best way you know how. And when people get beyond that, that's when it gets bad. That's when you get those acts that are headlining that you don't know why. Right. Well, you take a safe. You take a safe road. So uh -huh. you end up with Will Smith level comedy. Not to say anything bad about Will Smith, but just saying his music, like likened to natural hip-hop. Yeah, it, it's kind of like the save point. 
Like, I'll tell you a story. When I was growing up, I used to always love hip-hop. And my cousins, they would always listen to N.W.A., uh, Easy e things like that. So I told my mom one day, I said, hey, I want to go to Sam Goody. I'm going to get this tape. She was like, okay, we'll go. So we get down there. I pick out, uh, I believe it was uh, the easel for, for Agony. The guy told her, he was like, you sure you want to get this for your son? Snitch. Yeah, you sure you want to get this for your son? And he pointed at the parental advisory. And at that same time, I believe it was uh, Summertime, Will Smith, and I think it was like Salt and Pepper. And she was like, she gave me a choice. You could have these two or you could have this. So I just chose the the Will Smith. And I tell you, it was grueling because other than the the hit song, nothing else would, would, would suffice. So I made a point since then that, hey, if I like something, if I want to do something, I'm going to go get it. Yes. So that's why my mentality is the way it is, and I wish people would have that same mentality because don't take the safe road. Take the road that you want. I mean, I don't know if my road gets there. You know what I'm saying? But I know my road's fine. (laughs) Like, I know I'm enjoying what I'm doing on stage more than a lot of people around me who are suffering and agonizing for mediocre material about how their wife's annoying. Mm. But then they have to deal with that at home. They do. And I mean, I don't begrudge anybody what they want to talk about on stage. Right. But I feel like if other people could tell my joke, why do I want to tell it? Exactly. So, what I like to do is get a little bit into being the person. Alright. Alright. So, you've been doing the comedy for a short time. So, tell us what led you to that point. What, what got you to jump into comedy? 99% of the comics I talk about to all have this same variation of, oh, I wanted to be a comic or an entertainer since I was a little kid. I was the funny one in the class. I was all this. Mm-hmm. Nah, fam. Um, I had uh, friends in the poker world who were comics, mm-hmm. and one of them did a show that I ended up being at, and he bombed mm-hmm. real bad. Real bad. Mm-hmm. I didn't even want to name him, he bombed so bad. And I talked a lot of shit to him. And I talked so much shit that it got to the point where he was like, if you can do it better, then do it. And I'm a man. You can't dare me to do something. I'm going to try. Right. And I went up on improv at an open mic for three minutes behind Andy Huggins. And I got a couple of laughs. And I'm like, oh. And then a couple of people were like, you should keep doing this and try again. And it was just a dare that backed into, okay, let's see where this goes. And when I threw myself into it, it's still going. I don't know where the ceiling on this thing is yet. Right now, it seems to be, I do road shows around this little five, six state area. My calendar's pretty booked. People know me as a comic. I'm making survivable money. Like, if it don't get any bigger than this, no complaints. Comedy don't owe me anything. Right. You know, I'm not unhappy with my life now, but I don't feel like I've hit the ceiling yet. So, what would you classify as your ceiling? I mean, I'll tell you the dream. The goal for me, like like I said earlier, I don't think everybody gets on Netflix, but I do have a lot of respect for my pen and my joke writing. I think I can write a joke that can get to a comic that can get on TV. I just want something on my preserved, like for after I'm gone, where you can go and play and be like, oh, that's my joke. A just legacy. a little legacy joke. That's, that's all I'm chasing right now. All right. So, I mean... Can I go a little deeper on that? Go, 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 go,
The reason it's important is because I almost have to unrace a previous legacy. Because the 20 years before comedy were me doing drugs. And getting sober and doing this now, it's like I have to recreate the person I was. I mean, two years of me being sober and being a good person, does it erase 20 years of me being an awful heroin addict? I don't know, but I'll feel more comfortable with that equation in five years, in 10 years. So it's like, I want to put this legacy forward of what I became, not what I was. So I take it through your, your struggle with addiction. Uh, that there are a lot of uh, different situations that you would like to forget, live down, or atone for. Some things you can't atone for. That's the worst part, man. Some of the people you hurt are gone. Hmm. Those are the ones that, that stay with you. Like making amends is therapeutic in a way, and living your life as an example helps with that a little bit. But there's still things I think about at night, like man. I hope people don't ever hear this story. And then, you know, three days later, those are the stories I end up telling on stage because if you're going to give people a little piece, you got to give them all of it. Right, right. And what I learned is in order to absolve yourself of a quote-unquote sin, you have to come clean on it totally. You can't leave everything in the dark, like my mother would say. Everything that's done in the dark will come to light. So I applaud you on that. Um, also, I believe today is your 215th day of sobriety, correct? It is two and a half years today. Okay. Day 915, I think. 915? 915, okay. I believe. Okay. okay. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to pull out my phone, but I know it's two years, six months to the day on the night. Like, it's my sobriety date in ink. Wow. March 9th, 2019 on that. So, if you would, can't you describe the day that you made the decision to go sober? Yeah, I actually, it was more of a weekend mm -hmm. because I was not sleeping at the time, so it was kind of one chunk of time. I was, it was a Friday night. I was working in this poker room that I worked at at the time, and I was waiting to get my check, and I was just sitting at the bar drinking, and my boss comes over, and we started drinking, and we got through, like, about a handle of crown between the two of us because I drink, he drinks. I'm not going to be out drank by him. Right. And he asked me, he's like, is it true that you take as many pills as they say you do? And before I could answer him, my coworker from down the bar goes, Ben might not be the Michael Jordan of Vicodin, but when he retires, they're going to hang up his number. And this is a dude I barely talked to. I didn't know he knew my life. And to be out of like that, it was like, that everybody knows. And I got kind of stuck in my head. And I had a lot of things going on health-wise. Like, I wasn't sleeping. I was paranoid. I was down to 130 pounds. I was dying. And all, I was throwing up blood every morning. Like, I was dying. And I was like, okay, you're going to die from this. You wrecked your body too hard. You're going to be gone. And I'm like, this is going to sound like a joke. It's going to sound like the dumbest thing ever. But if you want to know why I went to rehab, this is a hundred. Swear to God, it's why. Like, maybe if you go and get treatment now, you can stall it for a little bit, and you can live long enough to see how Game of Thrones ends. I didn't say it was a good reason, but it was the reason. But I didn't think I could save me. I didn't think I could not die. I just thought maybe best case scenario, I could stall it a little bit. And that was enough. That seemed achievable. Game of Thrones, not to be jovial about it, but Game of Thrones is a great show. It was a terrible ending. If I had known that was the ending I was waiting for, I'd still be on heroin. Like, oh. <laughs>
I at least wanted Jon Snow to come up all the way and not go back. Yeah, I wanted a lot of things. It yeah. just didn't happen. Yeah. But it was one of those things. It was like, I've tried everything else. And by everything else, I mean trying to quit on your own just doesn't really work. <laughs> Do you feel that some of the addictive properties that you've had with that addiction that you may have taken it over to comedy? Oh, 100%. Comedy's a drug, man. The stage rush is a drug. The after energy, the way people treat you, it's a stronger drug than heroin. Like, attention, celebrity, kind of being funny in a room. Oh, my God, dude. Like, it's... I 100% did replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. It's And that's why it's a double-edged sword. Because when I get spaces like now, where I've got this two or three weeks in September where I'm just randomly unbooked, it starts messing with my head like, okay, you aren't doing the thing you're supposed to be doing anymore. And it starts feeling bad again, like I don't. But, I mean, you have to look at it this way too. Sometimes you have to give yourself a bit of time to recalibrate, body-wise and everything, because you, when you're on go, because, I mean, I travel all the time, so when I get back, I may take one or two days just to recalibrate, and oh. then I'm back on a mission. So I know how it may feel, even when you're exuding so much of your talent, so much of your presence, and also the brain power to convey these jokes to people. That's a lot of energy to, to, to just let go. It is. It's a lot, especially when you get some of these runs that are like four or five day, four or five city, just car runs. like. We did, in four days, New Orleans, New Braunfels, Waco, and Lubbock. Just back to back to back. It's just... So you mean to tell me, y'all drove from New Orleans to New Braunfels? I don't remember the order, but those were the four cities that we did in four days. It was like a Wednesday to Saturday, and then, you know, I got in at like four in the morning, and then... At like eight in the morning, I had to work my day shift at my day job at a poker room. And it's like, then you're back in the next week. Mm -hmm. Then the calendar rolls over again. Nobody cares that you work a lot. Right. Nobody's going to be sympathetic that you're booked in this industry. Like, you can't complain about that. You just get in the car and go. Like, I've slept in a Toyota Corolla chasing gigs. I've driven eight hours for an eight-minute free guest spot before to Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not glamorous. You know this, like this. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta take you, you gotta take a lot of stuff in order for you to get to the gusto. So, I mean, but look, like I was saying before, the work ethic, the work ethic and the energy that you took from that, I applaud you on that because you made it into something positive. The whole thing is to keep it positive because, like it says, it is a double-edged sword because today, it could be a fickle audience. And that audience may do something where they may not give you the reception that, that you expect. Oh, it gets bad. Oh, when it goes bad for me, it goes so bad. <laughs> oh, sometimes if I don't know a thing about an area and I hit the wrong topic, <laughs> man, it can... People have left before. I've walked people. I've had a death threat before. It's, you know... High risk, high reward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just, I, you know, hey, I applaud you, but I also want you to keep that in mind. Don't let that, uh, 
you know, rain on your parade either. Because you think about it, it's all a balance. Like, there's going to be some great days, there's going to be some bad days. But the road that you're currently on now, because I was there uh, when, when you had your first year of sobriety, and I applaud you for it. Because, I mean, I have family members, and I have people that are very close to me that have dealt with situations like that, and I know how hard it is to come out of it. It is, and I'll tell you, this is going to sound a little self-pitying, but like, I feel like I kind of upped the difficulty level on my sobriety and myself. Because not, I'm not going to out nobody, but you can't go into a comedy show and not see somebody on coke. No, you can't. No. Like, Houston's cocaine scene has a comedy problem. That's where we're at right now. I'm in bars five nights a week, which is not supposedly ideal. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I wanted to prove that you don't have to necessarily do sobriety the way they say you have to. Right. That you can still have all of the things you want to have. It's just a matter of self-discipline. And I'm trying to be proof of concept of that, that I can go in these places and do this career and be around these people and still be fine. That if that's how you want to do, you can still have the life you want to have after you got sober. You don't have to sit at home and be like, oh no, there's beer there. Like, Cause see, in LA, i say about a week ago, they did bring up a gentleman, uh, Foo Johnson, lost his life. Fentanyl, that's uh -huh. a nasty drug. Right. And other comedians that were with him, they they overdosed on it, but they were able to, some of them lost their lives, but some of them were able to recover. And I mean, I just want to put this out here. To those that are experimenting or using drugs of that nature, be very careful because you don't know if the batch is going to be good or bad. You won't know until you try it. Look, I'm not one to say give drug advice per se, uh -huh. but hypothetically, if you were the type of person who was going to do cocaine mm -hmm. and we're going to do cocaine in this time period, mm -hmm. I would do it with a person who wasn't doing cocaine, who had Narcan with them. Mm -hmm. Get you some Narcan. If you overdose, it will save your life. It's inexpensive. Just do it. That's my soapbox for, like, I'm not saying go do cocaine. I'm saying if you're going to be those people, I know there's tons that are, just be a little safer right now. Because you can't trust coke dealers. You don't know who's stepping on what you got. You don't know what's in it. And there's not leeway with fentanyl. You don't get makeup doses. You know what I'm saying? You mess up with fentanyl once, you're just gone. And I mean, it, there's been multiple deaths that have been going on recently with people on drugs. Um, High-level entertainers. Michael K. Williams. Yeah. So, not to say, I, I mean, we don't know if that was fentanyl or whatever, but we know that it was allegedly drug-related. Um, but I, I just want to put that out there for everyone because... I'm a comedian. I have a bleeding heart towards comedians because I understand what you go through from an anxiety perspective. Also, some of the things that you may say you may not want to reveal, so that may lead to a bit of depression because you're going to think about it when you get off stage and you're going to have those thoughts in your mind and those things never leave until you get back on the stage again. And once you say something into a microphone, you can't take it back. No. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. It's an art that demands you be funny in the moment and trust yourself to say whatever comes to mind. But you don't get a, there's no retraction for trying a joke. It's out there, they heard you. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a rewarding art form, but it's a dangerous one. And with social media, it could be recorded. So, 
Oh man, if they go pull up social media and run my Facebook from like before I got sober, they canceled me yesterday, bro. <laughs> like, I was bad back in the day. Like I was not as nice as I am now. It's just my bad. I was on heroin, bro. I don't know what you want me to tell. I was an asshole. Like it's, that's how that works. So Ben, you've come this far. What's next for you? For me, the goal is to keep getting better. Like, I measure myself by the rooms that I'm in and the company of the lineups that I'm on. And at year two and a half, I know who I'm opening for. I know my resume. I know who I consider my peers. I hope that gets better. I hope I get, I want to touch all the 50 states. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to eventually get to be a headliner. I'm a comfortable feature right now. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't do an hour. I don't have an hour. I'm only two years in. Hmm. Which I know sounds crazy to people, but comedy time is so hard to build. Yeah. My first year in comedy, I had maybe four and a half minutes. And that, like, it's enough to guest spot and leave, but it's nothing. And that's, that's a joke for some people. And it took me a year to get that. And now to be sitting like, I can go for 30 in year two. <laughs> It's exponential growth. I'm hoping by year four, like, I can do an hour. I can be on the road and do all these things. I need to learn how to write clean. That's on the agenda as well. Produce more shows, make survivable income, figure out merch, build the fan base, do the social media aspect of it. In the meantime, live a life. But you know, all that comes with time. Um, and I'll I, I give you some advice that Al Freeman said on uh, our first episode. He was like, just take the time. Just enjoy the journey. Just take the time. Um, don't rush. Just take the time. That's, that's hard to tell somebody when you have that burning desire. But what I've learned is you have to take that time because there's many different things that can come across during that time that'll build you even stronger. So, You never know what the thing is going to be on any given night that you learn. But you almost always learn something if you're paying attention. Yeah. That's right. Tell the people how they can find you on your social media. Man, I mainly go through two channels. Find me on Instagram at Very Dark Comedy, all one word. Or uh, find me on Facebook, Benjamin A. Daniel. It's the profile picture that looks like this dude. Right. And note to promoters do not call this man Ben Daniels. There's Jack no Daniels. Oh, there's no S on my last name. Daniel. Shout out Rich Williams, who's done it nine times. We we're almost best friends. <laughs> you know, I had to. I, had yeah, to, I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart, bro. I like, had to hit him with a little something, man. Thank you for letting me come do this, bro. Like, this hey, is. You man. got a lovely setup here. Like, what you're doing with your network, like, the design and the path, and, like, all of the branding you're doing with it is such a good direction. Like it's, it, it looks clean, it looks put together, like, you're doing things, man. Thank you, and I appreciate that. I, I really appreciate that from the bottom of my heart, and I appreciate you. It's been an honor and a privilege to interview you tonight. Uh, for the main thing is that you're one of the people in comedy that I respect, and I very much admire and like. Thank you. Um, it's your, mutual. Your entire group, like, if you guys looked at my previous seasons, I've had Jerry Longmire on here, which is a great friend of ours. Uh, Jesse, hope to get you on here soon. But, I mean, the real can relate. So, 
What we'll do now, we'll go to a quick commercial break and we'll have our final illustrious guest. You're now here with Ken Mills on Unbiased. Hi, this is T. Foxy Wyckoff, and this is Let's Talk Business and Real Estate, where faith, hope, and determination comes alive. You can't talk business without talking real estate. Come follow me. The Lord will bless your barns, and he will bless your hands and everything you put them to do. The Lord will bless the property in which he's giving you. Tune in to Let's Talk Business and Real Estate on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on the Boss Up Houston Network. about my new show. I'm up here down here in the newsroom. You heard me? We talking political news, social news, hood news, jailhouse news, your mama news, baby mama news, news news. We all over in the building, okay? I stay in the newsroom. Make sure y'all tune in to In the Newsroom each and every Sunday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time on Boss Up Houston Network. Let's go. Everyone at home, I have a gentleman to my left, a very distinguished gentleman. When I first came on to the comedy scene, I would hear his name everywhere, but he was very elusive. I didn't know who he was. But over the years, I found out who this man is. This man here, double collegiate athlete, all-American, heavy into the community, educator, entertainer, entrepreneur. Y'all give it up for Brady Bob. Man, you made me feel like I was somebody, what? Hey, in the words of Jesse Jackson, you are. I am what? Somebody. Come on. That's right, man. Man, I appreciate you, man, having me on your show, man. Man, hey, long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. I ain't going to say nothing. I'm going to wait my turn. But I've been asking. I've been asking. You did. You did. I said I'm going to wait my turn, you know. Yeah. But I'm here, man. God got me what? Ready. Got me here. Mm. Got me ready. Yeah, man. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. Appreciate you having me, doctor. What's up with it, man? Let's let's get it hey, on, man. So first thing I wanna I wanna talk about. Mm -hmm. I wanna talk about who is Brady Bob. Now I called out all of your many titles, but who is Brady Bob? If you can give a definition to the people of who you are. Man. God fearing man first. Okay. God fearing first. Okay. Uh father, second. Mm -hmm. Family man. Uh, single man, <laughs> ladies, uh, man, I'm just me, you know, I'm not trying to be nobody else. I used to think I was Jordan, though, back in the day when I was in high school, I thought I was Jordan, I used to walk like him, chew the gum like him, but as I got older, man, you know, I got to be me, so I'm Brady Bob, man, I'm Brady Bob, I'm just me, man, I'm not trying to be nobody else in the game, trying to be me, trying to do me, focusing on what? You. Me, that's right. 
All right, all yeah. right. See, I like when, when you do them pauses like that. Because, yeah. see, I got an uncle. I got my That's uncle right. Vernon, see, That's back right. before he got sick. Yeah. Same dress, everything. He'll yeah. tell you right there. But, see, sometimes people, they take being self-assured as yeah. being cocky or confident, yeah. too confident. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I know that that's not the case. I that's know that not. you are uh, very, very modest young man. Yeah, I, am. Yeah. I, am I used to be very flamboyant and um, and um, I would say cocky. Mm -hmm. um, but God will deliver you from those uh, attributes if you uh, don't know how to use them the right way. Mm -hmm. See, now I know how to use them in the right way now. Because right. it defines me. Because I'm slapping 50. I'm slapping it. You slapping? Slapping 50, man. I'm grown, man. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're grown, you got to put away boy, childhood, childish things and become who you need to be. You know, me and we don't really um, mature around the age, like 40, 45, in that area. That's when we really, like, you know what? I've been book coning mm -hmm. <laughs> for 40 years. So, man, look, hey, man, it's time to come on with it, you mm -hmm. know. So, yeah, man. Yeah. Slapping 50, remember that. Okay. So, I'm an OG. Okay. OG. All right, so you slapping fish. Slapping. So if you take this. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You at home. Okay. Feel free. Right. Now, when we talk about slapping fish. Slapping fish. All right. Now, that's like slapping. Slapping. Look, that's like slapping the roof at LaShawn's. Man, come on, man. You know, you know when you stand up, you, your head can hit LaShawn's. Yeah. Your head, you can do this right here, yeah. man. You roofing LaShawn's back in the day, man. I yeah. remember LaShawn's. All right, yeah. P. Eric. Man, you ain't lying, huh? Oh, yeah, man, 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 yeah, so we're going to go into a little bit of uh -huh. the genesis of Brady Bob because you uh -huh. have a very interesting story. Um, very interesting. Man. So to me, and don't take this the wrong way, you like the Forrest Gump of the South Side. Man. You done been in different timetables and then seen some epic things man. go on. Yeah. So first thing we'll talk about is Jack Yates, class of 94. Jack Yates, class of 94, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, big shout out to my uh, my alma mater, Jack Yakes. Uh, I did graduate in 1994. Mm -hmm. You see this right here, uh, class, Jack Yakes, 1994. This is one of the cups that I, all American wide right, receiver, mm -hmm. class 94. Jack Yakes, number 81, Brady Bob. Yeah, man, hey, that's where it started. It really started in uh, Third Ward, mm -hmm. ended up going to South Park. Lived in Home Clark, mm -hmm. went back to South Park, went back to Third Ward. So those are my stomping grounds, those three neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. South Side, the whole South Side, you know, around that area, Sunnyside, South Park, Home Clark, Third Ward, that whole area, you know, Reed Road, uh, Martin Luther King, right. you know, uh, Samson and Drew, mm -hmm. Delano, mm -hmm. uh, Anita. You know, I can go all around here, you know, and people know those neighborhood home club, which shots out to home club, Glen Iris, I, I stayed in Glen Iris, man, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Somerville, baby, I've been summer everywhere, I live summer everywhere, I was bounced as a kid, I was Same bounced around, here. yeah, I, it, it took a village to 
to raise me. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Yeah. I definitely understand that because mm -hmm. uh, I'm originally from Fifth Ward. Oh, okay. But I went to Ryan. Uh, I was right behind y'all. Mm -hmm. And uh, you went to Ryan. Yeah. I was Mr. Ryan. Mr. Ryan, they know, don't be a slob, vote Brady Ball. Okay, okay. <laughs> that was my okay. slogan when I was... Was Mr. Was, Moe in there? Yeah, Mr. Moe, that's, that's yeah. my frat brother. Yeah. Shout out to Mr. Moe. Right. He, he actually molded me my eighth grade year, man, uh, and, and I didn't even know he was a, a alpha. Big shout out to the alpha, Big Mo, I mean, Mr. Uh, Moore. Mm -hmm. uh, that was one of my man, my guys, man. He, 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 he really put his hand on me and, and, and made me who I am. Today, he's one of those forefront guys, and it started in middle school with him. Yeah, because, I, I mean, the reason why I call him out, because he's always been a proponent, yeah. especially for young black men. Mm -hmm. What he would do, he would see something in you, and he'll try yeah. to cultivate it. Uh, there were gentlemen like uh, Mr. Long, uh, Mr. Parker. Yeah, Mr. Parker. Ooh, Mr. Parker. And Mr. Ford. Ooh, Mr. Parker can pop, boy. Yeah. Boy, Mr. Parker come around there with that wood, boy. Yeah. Well, he, you know, because he was, he was in wood shop, too. Yeah. He come around there. He got them green eyes with that, that curl in mm -hmm. the hair. Well, he catch you around that corner, boy. You ain't in class. He going to pop you right then and down. Come on. Give me that butt. Come on. Pow! You know, but that's the group. That's the era I grew up in. You know, we used to right. get pops. You know, we used to get that butt toe up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. See, and then you moved from there. Yeah. You went to Jack Yates. Went to Jack Yates, man. Well, y'all had championship team. Y'all had, yeah. had the Gerald Moe's, the Moore. Big Pokies. Yeah, Big Pokies. Uh, y'all had yeah. uh, George Floyd on there, Floyd, mm -hmm. Vaughn Dickerson, mm -hmm. uh, Edward Jackson, mm -hmm. Sean Porter, mm -hmm. uh, Oscar Smallwood, mm -hmm. uh, Wallace King. Man, I go Godfrey Johnson. Man, I go Watasha Tune. I go on and on. I go on and on, man. I mean, you know. Um, and if I if I if I miss somebody, it's it's Walter Kemper, Landry Cooper. Man, I go on and on, man. You know, if I miss somebody, I'm not trying to miss you. You know. Just, you know, just, raise, so up just raise up the cup. Just raise up the cup and let them know. Shout out to Jack Cakes. Yeah, yeah, man. And my brother, uh, George Floyd. That was that was my brother, man. Uh, he actually was one of the the uh, guys. And, you know, if you see me on NBC, mm -hmm. um, the worldwide when this stuff happened, you know, mm -hmm. and they, they came and interviewed me. Well, actually, yeah, they came and interviewed me because I was with the family, and that was one of the guys I threw an alley hoop to first. That was the first time I ever threw an alley hoop up. And big floor, dunked it, boom. And that was my boy ever since. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. And then we played football and basketball together from seventh grade all the way up until uh, 93, my 11th grade year. So imagine I'm blood, sweat, and tears with him every day. You know, not every day, Sundays and Saturdays, Saturdays and Sundays I wasn't with him. But Monday through Friday, I'm with him. Right. I'm right there with him. Right. I'm right there with him. Right. You know, he was a receiver. Mm -hmm. He was a big tight end. He was my tight end. So, uh, big shout out to Floyd, man. I, I was one of the guys, man, silly. Actually, he's one of the guys that him and Oscar Smallwood, we was a, the, the team clown. We was the ones that made everybody laugh and have a good time, not worrying about a football game that we got to go out and win. Mm -hmm. We were the forefront guys that made everybody loosen up and like, man, come on, man, let's have a good time. Let's go out here and do our thing. Don't worry about the game, man. You practice how we, we yanks. You, you know, put your, ch your chest out there and, and stick it out and say, man, you know what? You already know we gonna, what we're going to do. So let's have fun while we're doing it. And Floyd was one of those guys that – um. I, I actually stole his dance and took it to Kentucky State. When we gonna talk about okay. my college yeah, yeah, career, we don't get and, and it, you know it was a little dance in, in, in Kentucky State. When I used to score my touchdowns at Kentucky State, I used to do the Brady Ball. But actually, it was the George Floyd, really. Okay. 
But okay. Josh did it uh, in the game. He used to do it in practice a lot. But when I scored my touchdowns at Yakes, mm -hmm. I used to do it on the sideline. Man, him used to do it on the sideline. So I kind of adopted that and took it up to school. Man, and, and, and in Kentucky State, man, the whole school was doing the, the Brady ball. The band, they used to do that. You know how the band, like TSU band or right. Texas Southern band, Tennessee State band, had time. They, they like Yakes. Mm -hmm. uh, what school you went to? Uh, I, I went to a madness school. Well, it's cool. Yeah. But you know, the band, the band used to do my mm -hmm. dance. Yeah. They put it in their routine, and man, so. Uh, but you know, back at, back again at Yakes, man. Well, I was on on the state team. Uh, we lost. We lost to Temple though, but. We started out 1-1-1, one, one, and one, man. They said we was the sorriest team that ever come through Yakes. I was on JV at the beginning of that year. Mm. You understand? I worked so hard, man, and, and got moved up on Jones game. And uh, first time he ever touching the rock, um, I down there ran that uh, punt return back. The second game played against Booker T, I ran a, a punt return back. First time in uh, me touching the ball again, mm. uh, you know, in the game. So. That year was a pivotal year for us because we had we didn't even have a field to practice on. Mm -hmm. We didn't even have a field. The year prior to that, one of one of our best friends, or best friends of ours, his name was Carl Owens. He got killed, mm -hmm. and um, when he got killed, that kind of brought us together. And we could have won state the year before in '92, but we lost by penetration to uh, I think it was Wild Trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was Wild Trip, and we barely lost. So. We, we, we kind of jailed that summer and said, you know what, we're going to all come together, man, and let's try to make this run. But Dallas Carter beat us, and we um, we um, we lost to Dallas Carter the first game, and then we ended up um, beating, barely beating Madison. Barely. Barely beating Madison. Southside Classic. And then we tied with Sterling. And uh, i never forget um, the reason why I got moved up, because Vaughn and Floyd, Real talk, they was um, you know they, Levon was the holder and Floyd was the tight end. So Floyd and Vaughn um went on a uh they Wallace Big Wallace King was the kicker, you know Wallace King like, you know three hundred some odd pound man he gonna kick the ball and he always hit, but for some reason Floyd and Vaughn they called fire, and when they called fire, Vaughn came up and threw the ball to for the two-point conversion. All they had to do was kick it in mm -hmm. for the two-point conversion to Florida, and Florida dropped it. <laughs> he dropped it. And man, they got in trouble. Mm -hmm. And that was my gateway to get moved up to to varsity. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, man, it was history. Rise and star. Mm -hmm. Do you hear me, man? You know, rise and star. And, so, and then Jack X, yeah. So while we on the subject of yeah. George Floyd, I want to send a shout out to uh, his daughter, Gianna Floyd. Yeah. And, uh, her mother, uh, Roxanne yeah. Washington, who are friends of yeah. the friends of the show and friends yeah. of the family. Big, big shouts out to all uh, the Far Fleming, yeah. and I appreciate you all to bringing me in, um, Falonis and his wife. And, and we got I got to put this story out here because yeah. a lot of people, you know, we gonna talk about the real. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, I got a lot of black back flat from people thought I was reaching, trying to go out and say, man, no, man, the family actually called me. Mm. And said, you know what, man? We want you to come with us um, with this journey. We need you. I didn't call the family. I, I got into my phone right here. Mm -hmm. The family looked me up. They already knew I was, you know, they mm -hmm. know. And they said, man, Brady, we, we need you to, we, we want you to come 
um, to Minnesota. We want you to come to North Carolina. We want you to speak at Floyd funeral. I was supposed to speak in Minnesota, but um, uh, Ben Crump and um, um, Al Sharpton said, no, we want the family to, to speak. But the family had me as the designated speaker. And the reason why, because when, when they looked at the, the state team mm -hmm. uh, picture, they looked at everybody. They said, man, Brady Bob, he's a teacher, he's, he's a comedian, mm -hmm. he's solid, mm -hmm. ain't been in no trouble, mm -hmm. graduated from college. Mm -hmm. He know how to articulate himself. That's the whole key. The proper representation. He's, yes, he's not going to get up there and make us look silly, right. make us look, you know. And Floyd got a lot of homeboys. A lot of homeboys that he grew up with, no knock on them, but when it's time, when it's time, you understand what I'm about to yeah, go? Yeah, yeah, go, come on. When it's time for business, mm -hmm. man, them people call me, open arms, man, we want you. I, and, and what happened that night before, it, I think it was what, it was Labor Day or something like that? I couldn't remember. It was a holiday. Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. And man, I couldn't sleep that night before. Mm -hmm. I had to go to work. I was teaching. I'm, you know, like, like I said, I'm a teacher, mm -hmm. and I couldn't sleep that whole night. Man, I woke up. Uh, my uncle actually sent me. My uncle lived uh, out of state, and he sent me something. And he's like, I look, and he said, "What?" And I'm like, "Nah, that ain't." And I looked again. See, I know Floyd. I know his voice. Mm -hmm. And when I heard him on that ground, I said, "That's man. That's Big Floyd." But I couldn't sleep that night before. I don't know why I couldn't sleep. I, 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 I just couldn't sleep. So when I saw it, man, man, I had this, my, my whole body start burning. I wanted to go through the phone and, and help him because, man, he didn't deserve that, man. Right. He didn't deserve that at all, man, because if you know him, he's a gentle giant, man. And boy, his smile can light up these rooms. Right. You come in, man, he just starts smiling what you doing, brother. You know, it's just the way he was with us, man. He was like, I, he was my protector. He was my big brother. And uh, when I say he, him and Vaughn taught me how to put him and big Von, him and Vaughn, Vaughn Dickinson, mm -hmm. the other receiver on the other side of me, big shots at the Ville too. Uh, the other receiver on the side of me taught me at Ryan because I I had never played, I had never ever played football mm -hmm. until I got to Yakes. I mean, until I got to Ryan, Vaughn, and then Floyd. Helped me learn, taught me how to put my pads in my okay. pants. Okay. They taught me. Vaughn showed me, then Floyd showed me. He showed me how to put my, my hip pads and everything. Because when I got, when I came back to Third Ward, um, big shout out to my old man too, Brady. Stand-up guy, the mailman, everybody know him. Uh, in Third Ward, man, I, had to, I was getting in trouble over at my grandmother's house. Mm -hmm. You know, I was smoking uh, her cigarettes. Up at St. Low Park or by Jones, playing basketball all night. But, you know, they was trapping up there. But all I wanted to do was play basketball. And it was a lot of nights I didn't come home, but I was hooping at the, you know, working on my game because I was, really was a hooper. Mm -hmm. And uh, my old man was like, man, my grandma was like, man, we got to, you got to come get him because he hanging out at that park. They be shooting dope. They be doing all type of stuff at that park. But I was really working on my game, trying to, because I want to be a hooper. Right. And uh, my old man came and got me, so I had to go back to Third Ward, and that was my first time at Ryan. And Vaughn and Flaw showed me how to put my pads in. So I really was their protégés, you okay. understand? And i never forget my seventh grade year, I got house built. So I wasn't able to really show people what I can do, because when you get house built in middle school, shit, excuse my language, I mean, your whole year gone. 
Right. I'll never forget that. That was the first time I ever made a 58 in my life, and that was the last time I ever failed in, in, in grades. My daddy whooped my butt. And anybody that know my daddy, he ain't play. And, and it's a pivotal man in my life. So I, I'm not successful if it wasn't for my grandfather and my dad. They was pivotal men in my family. That's right. Because yeah. when you say it take a village. Yeah, it took a village. See, I can definitely understand the concept. Because my thing at Ryan, I used to always get in the fights. Mm -hmm. When I was young, because I was younger when I was there. Because mm -hmm. I come straight during the time when it was north side versus south side. Yeah. So I had to get in there and I had to assimilate. And once I mm -hmm. assimilated, I started to understand that. Assimilate, you heard the word. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, that, what that means, yes. you have to blend in. That's right. So once, once I got immersed into the environment, mm -hmm. what I started to do and what I started to understand is it was so much culture that yeah. was going on. Because right. I know, even though you're talking about the football, yeah. You started to talk about the music at the same time mm -hmm. because we know Floyd was on some screws. We know your close affiliation with the Screwed Up Click and also yeah. with you doing your own music. I'm talking about close affiliation. I am. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm I am. But and see, you know, a lot of people, even in the city, if I just, if they would just get to know me, they'll learn. And a lot of stuff that a lot of people listen to songs they listen to on the radio i wrote okay and there's a lot of people don't know that but if i go out and, and drop name drop man people be like nah i didn't know brady bob man for real so yeah give us I'm, one. I'm, I'm affiliated give us one man if i'll give you my my brother uh-huh you know uh big shots out to him and i and i like i say i don't like the name drop yeah. but he'll tell you mm -hmm. um keep my name out your mouth i wrote that hook Okay. Keep my name out your mouth. Okay. I wrote the hook. Okay. A lot of people don't know that, but Big Poke is my my big brother. Mm -hmm. If I got it, you got it. See, in the screwed up click, and you'll hear Hawk mm -hmm. on the screwed up click, he'll say, Be ball, baby. That's how he talk. Mm -hmm. Be ball, baby. We need you, man. We need you, baby. Mm -hmm. You got to hit the lead, man. We need you. You ever hear Hawk? Go back on them tapes. You'll hear him saying Brady Bob. You'll hear Kiki and Big Pokey shouting me out on them. A lot of stuff. I the screwed up click. Me and Pokey. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not in the screwed up click, but mm -hmm. I'm affiliated with right, it. You right. know what I'm saying? My brother mm -hmm. is Big Pokey, mm -hmm. and Lil Kiki was my best friend at Addicts. Mm -hmm. Not trying to name drop. I'm not. But they'll tell you that's thirty plus years. Me and Lil Kiki was best friends at Addicts. You saw Lil Kiki, you saw Brady Bob, you saw Brady Bob, you saw Lil Kiki, and we took honors classes. So, the affiliation with the School of Click, I was one of the, I was the person, my, I had a car, my mama, she gave me a car. I went pick Lil Kiki, I went pick Pokey up and took him to Lil Kiki house. They was writing their lyrics, Brady Bob did that. But, if I if I get out there and say that, you know, people like, man, he bull, he, he lying. But, they'll tell you, like, yeah, that's my brother. They, they gonna... That's my brother. They gonna tell you that. You I know, know for I know for a fact because I was at a brunch one Sunday, and you know on the humble, Big Poker, one of my favorite, one of my favorite rappers. So I went over to him. You That's know, my, one of my favorite rappers look, too. Look, <laughs> you know, as a G, I went over to him. I with my wife. I said, hey, you know, I gave him his flowers, mm -hmm. and I said, yeah, yeah, I do comedy. You know, I said, I know your people. And he said, yeah, Brady, my brother. And the way he looked when he my said brother. it, look. 
So just to elaborate on that, yeah. and the screwed up click, me and Big Pokey was the ones that was going to fund, if we would have went to the league, mm -hmm. we was going to fund the NFL money for screw. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. I, got a, I, got a, I got a mean story. I can write a book on some of the stuff I saw and was affiliated with. Right. We'll be all day. Right. Yeah. Because that's why I say, with no disrespect, yeah. Forrest Gump or the South Side, because you have seen certain things. Now, we done touched on the music. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to touch on the comedy. Wait, so, wait, wait. Let's, let's touch on the music because yeah, even ahead. with the music, mm -hmm. you know, understand? Yeah. And the music really starts while I was in Kentucky State University. Okay. You understand? Now, okay. I had to go to Kentucky State University because I could have went to any school in America. I was the number one receiver in Houston, hands down, Greater Houston, number one receiver, All-American in Texas. Mm -hmm. Some polls, I was one, two, three. You know, and, and it took me one year to do it. One year. Not no three-year. It took me one year to do it. So um, I could have went to any school in the world, didn't get my grades, me and Pokey. Um, I didn't. I didn't take the test. I had the grades, but I didn't take the test when it was time for me to take it. I had the big head. That's where the uh, what's the word I want to use for when you cockiness. Oh, you didn't have the humility that you needed. That, that I needed at the mm -hmm. time. So now I had to go to junior college. Mm -hmm. So me, Big Pokey, and Walter Kemper, we went to Blend. So I had to go to Blend my first year, and Big Pokey was my roommate. At, at, uh, even at Blend, when you hear Pokey talking about bastard down to school, broke as a fool, yeah, we were broke in college. So with the screwed up click, Pokey had I had I had got cut from Blend. I had to go to go to uh, Northwest Mississippi. That's why I started doing going to a lot of junior colleges. They cut me. Blend cut me because they lied to me and said I could play basketball. I made the basketball team, made it, made it, and then. What happened was they didn't have enough scholarships for me, so I had to go back to football, and that's when they was doing the preseason, I mean the uh, spring season. So what happened was the coach was like, man, I know you don't want to, you know, um, you, I know you don't want to be here, but really I did. Y'all lied to me and said that I could play two sports. What they was, they thought they thought I wasn't going to make it, and I ended up making it. So uh, they let me go, man. And when, the day they let me go, man, Oklahoma, Miami, um, uh, A&M, Texas, um, LSU, Tennessee, Michigan was calling my room. Like, you got cut? I like, and I told them the story. Man, I no bull. The coach called me back the next day. Man, they had, because I was a true freshman at Blaine. I played. They threw the ball to me 13 times. I called it 13 times. So, at Blaine, you got to be the truth. You understand? So what happened was the coach called me back and said, man, we're going to bring you back. Guess what I told him? No, man. Coming back here. Yeah, y'all going to see me again. Instead of humbling myself and saying, man, you know what, coach, I appreciate you bringing me back. And the coach was like, all right. No, he didn't need me. The next year they won championship. So that, that, they didn't need me. Right. They did not need me. And I was one of the reasons why that Blinn recruited Michael Bishop. Big shout out to Michael Bishop. That's my brother. So, I mean, you know, like I say, with the scooter click, man, me and Pokey was the one that was, we, we was trying to, you know, use that lead money to, to help the screwed up click, to help them. Because we knew, we knew that, you know, it was going to be big. We knew, you know what I'm saying? 
And we we, we it was it was to the point where it's like, man, this is what we're gonna do for screw. Yeah, and, and what happened was um I ended up getting a, I gave my life to God in nineteen ninety eight. Big shots out to me. Um went to Kentucky State, some NFL agents, big shots out to Brown Overstreet, Eddie Combo. And I'm name dropping. I'm I, it's time to start name dropping because a lot of people don't understand what who I am. Um uh Pat Shrewsdale, they got me down to Kentucky State. Man, I did three years. Walked on first year, walked on basketball. They gave me three years and left it Hall of Fame All American. Hmm? Well, I, I had to walk on. That that shows inte integrity. You got to walk on a school. Walked on. Started the, the next two years, but my young a grown man. I was twenty three. So. So when you walked on, did they offer you the scholarship? They offer, after that first year, I had to prove myself. Mm -hmm. So. A lot of people don't know that. Even even my people from Kentucky State, they don't even know that. I walked on that first year, came in, took my position. Give me that. I'm an All-American in, in, in Texas. How big is Texas? I'm the All-American. Give me that. Basketball, give me that. I'm a, give me that. Set trends and everything. So, end up going to Kentucky State after the three years, tried out for the NFL, got cut. That's when I woke up like, wow. Now, mind you, while I'm down at Kentucky State, that's when I used to come home on breaks and, and drop those little jewels in the, in, the, in the studio. You go, you can go back and listen to a lot of the songs. I got songs with Hawk, Mike D, Chris Ward, Pokey, MJ, all the screwed up people. I got songs with them, you understand? So I, when I come on, I drop a few little jewels, man, and then go back up to school. Now, like I said, they keep my name out your mouth. I didn't know it was going to blow like that. Didn't know. I'm down at school trying to go to the league, trying to fund the money. I never forget, man, we finna play against North Carolina, man. I got on the phone, uh, Pokey called me, and he told me screw hat pads. Now mind you, I just hit I just hit by 20, 20 points. We playing against North Carolina Central. And I dedicated that game to screw. And uh I never forget, man, they kinda dimmed me. So the, the, the that same year I was entering the, the NFL draft and, and I didn't even get picked up. I had to go free agent and then end up getting cut. You know, I, I got worked up by everybody from the Bengals, um, the Cowboys, uh, Chiefs. I should have went to the Cowboys, but I end up end up getting going getting on with uh, the Bengals, and they cut me, man. So I had to go back to school. Okay. So that's when the comedy came in. Now, there now, you go. Now we now now we're gonna hold this quick piece because mm -hmm. uh, an acquaintance of mine mm -hmm. went through that journey with you, Rudy Pickney. Come on, Rudy. That's what that was, my, and we played semi-pro together. Mm -hmm. That was my slash. He was he was my quarterback. Mm -hmm. He was my quarterback and my one of my receivers and DB. Great guy, good guy, Rudy. Yeah, out of weekly, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's my point. See, yeah. family side, yeah. like my mama, his mama, that type of mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. So when you say you go back to school after the NFL dreams, you start to look toward comedy. What pushed you in that line? To get into comedy, what, what drove you there? So what, what's what's today's date? Two thousand and twenty-one. Yeah, I've been doing comedy since two thousand and one. Mm. I mean, two, yeah, two thousand and two. I take the back because I, I had I went back to school trash. I was trying to go to the league. Mm -hmm. You understand? Went back to school one point nine grade point average. Trash. I mean, I wasn't doing nothing, and I really want to curse, cuss, but I wasn't doing nothing, man. So that was a reality from. Everybody saying, 
Yeah, you think you're going to go to the lead, huh? You know, you're having the back in your back in the head, but when you have that opportunity and then it diminished, and then you're like, damn. It, it was a reality check. I was like, man, all right now, you got a 1.9, what you going to do? You can't go back to the house. You can't go back home. You got to come back with some 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 stuff since degree. You got to come back with it, man. You can't go back to the house. Right. Ain't nothing back home. You got to come back with it. So what happened was, man, I sucked it up that, that summer. Redid some of my grades, retook, retook some classes, got my GPA up to a 2.9, and pledged in 2002. Hmm. Pledge Alpha, hmm. the oldest to ever pledge in my chapter. Big shout out to Beta Mu Strong on chapter Kentucky State University. I am called the ancient one. So what happened was, after I got offline, man, I'm the man still on campus. I'm the man. I'm walking around, I'm still the man. So I, I was like, Never forget, man, I was playing basketball in this gym called Bell Gym, and we was, I was training Rondo. Mm -hmm. I'm training Rondo. Yeah, me, Brady Ball, training Rondo, me and this, this guy named J-Mo. And um, we all sitting around. My, one of my brothers, his name Jason Mason, was my roommate in college. And, and everybody, anytime anybody that's around, we, we always laughing. So he was like, man, you ought to do comedy, man. You funny. You yeah. funny, man. And then I, a light bulb went off, bing. I said, you know what, I'm, you're right, man. How can I make some money and, and do comedy? Now, this 2002. Mm. Man, look, I, I gave myself a name, Little Big Bumpy Face. We were drinking gin. I'll never forget. So, you know, gin is called Bumpy Face. Right, the secrets. The secrets. Uh -huh. So we drinking that. So I said, you know what, I'm going to call myself Little Big, Little Big Bumpy Face Boy. Mm. Man, no lie, man. No lie. Little Big Bumpy Face Boy. Man, I was so cool with all the presidents. They loved me because I was a stand-up guy. I wasn't, I wasn't in no trouble. I never got in no trouble at school. Did what I was supposed to do. And the the the, uh, the president of the school allowed me. I, I had a key to the, to every building. A key. I Brady Ball walk in. I can do whatever I want. The, the, the security, like say, man, we going to play basketball. I could form, hey, we finna go who? Man, the gym not open. Call Brady Ball. Alright, I opened up the gym. I had that much pool where I had keys to the building. So they allowed me to have our baby auditorium. I used to charge $2 every Thursday night to do comedy. Hmm. At school. Pack out the school. People from all around the different uh, um, uh, cities would come mm -hmm. on campus on Thursday night. And come to, to come see me do comedy. And I was doing music too. You understand? So you put it all together. Man, put it all together, man. Put it all together. So who were your main influences like when you were burgeoning the company when you were first starting? Man, Robin Harris, Eddie Murphy. Okay. That uh Raw, Fred Sanford. Man, but my, my but my biggest um man, I can go on and on about comedians. Okay. Man, Martin. Okay. You know, Bernie Mac. Okay. From the first time I ever saw him. That's my favorite. Bernie. Robert Harrison Bernie. I love them because they remind me of my uncles. Mm -hmm. You understand? So, again, at Kentucky State, I had that same character. I was older than everybody. So, what I did was I took my comedy and, and put it on stage. And what was so loud about it, a few of the administrators would come to the, to, the, to the shows and see me. From that point, 
Then they start having me host the step shows, the homecoming shows. Any any major person that comes through the city, I'm the host. I had a group called the Phantom Click. Big shout out to Zayman, Eddie. He's a governor of Indiana right now. Oh uh, yeah, big time. Uh, Zayman Glasswell, actor. Uh, Dre, uh, heavy metal, J Stone, first degree up in Saginaw, Michigan. That was our clique. Bruno Spider. That was our clique. Now, mind you, anybody that came through Kentucky State, I opened up for them. So now, if I name drop and people understand who I am, people like. Let me go now. Now, let me name drop these people. Go ahead. I opened up for Ti. Okay. Ti. I opened up for Ti. Mm -hmm. Juvenile. David Banner, Lil John Eastside Boys, Twister two times, 112 two times, The Band, Sunshine Anderson, Donnell Jones, Midnight Star, Zap, Houdini. Um, um, I can go on and on now. I can go on and on now. You can, you can tell me to hold stop. Hold it. And hold Brady it. Bob opened up for me. But hold it. And this is in 2003, 4, 5. Because I mm -hmm. left Kentucky State at, in 2005. Okay. And this is 20 some odd years ago. So people here in Houston don't even know. Right. And I can get people on the phone to verify that. Now, when we take the show back on the road and bring it back home. Back, bring it back home. All right. Now, when we bring it back home, what obstacles did you meet in order to get yourself supplanted into the comedy scene here in Houston? So that started in 1997. Okay, okay. Okay. When I worked in Sharpstown Mall, watch this. It was a guy, I worked in foot action upstairs, me and Eric, he baby, he got a smoke shop, and um, right there on Main Street, right in front of uh, Sprint T-Mobile. It was a guy, worked at a, a clothing store. I know who that was. Huh, watch this, up under me. Mm -hmm. Every day at lunch, we used to get together and be ranking on people that come in the mall. So guess who worked in that store down there? Ali. Ali Sadiq. Come on. Come on. Because back Ooh. in them days, look, old Sharpstown used to look like Galleria of today. Yeah, of today. And he used to be in there with the dreads. That's one of my, and I can't rely, man, that's one of my closest friends back then in 97. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And i never forget, we used to, we used to sit down and say, man, we're going to be comedians, man, because he was like, man, you funny too. I'm like, man, you funny too. Yeah, that's when it started. See, a lot of people don't know that. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. See, if I start name dropping, and see, this is a perfect time for me to name drop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, me and Ali Sadiq started in 1997 doing comedy, ranking on people in the mall. I had to go out to college. When I come home from school, he all in the arena theater. I'm there. I'm like, man, this man here doing comedy for real, man. He get off stage, never, excuse my language, never shitting on me because he knew what it was. Right. He knew, man, that's Brady Ball. Man, that dude funny too. I just didn't know how to put it together once I got back home because Houston had some hard hitters. Houston got some hard hitters, man. And see, now, if you could under, if you see what's going on now, and we're going to get to it because yeah, I know yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, could, yeah. you see me emerging, yeah. but I'm really a part of the old school. You know like when Big Mama have uh the, the baby kid mm -hmm. but your uncle but your but the oldest is your daddy. Right. But you grew up with me. Right. See that's what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of these comedians don't know how is Brady Bob doing 
I've been in the game. Mm -hmm. I've been in the game. So it started in 1997, but I emerged myself in college to get myself acclimated. But once I got to Houston, it was like, ooh, I better come on with it because mm -hmm. everybody funny down here. Mm -hmm. I was the only one that was funny in Kentucky. Right. Wasn't nobody doing comedy like me in Kentucky. I'm talking about packing out the shows, packing out everything, doing everything. So what, what I'm seeing or what I'm hearing from mm -hmm. you is you feel that there's a lack of respect. You you feel you feel as though no, it's just, you, it's you, not you, you have that time in, but you feel as though you don't have that reverence that others. No, they have. just don't know. And then okay. the way we was raised, the way I was raised, mm -hmm. respect. See, they don't. They think I'm young. Everybody think I'm young. Mm -hmm. Everywhere I go, they think I'm young. Right. I'm slapping fifty. Mm -hmm. Brady Bob is slapping fifty. Like Lashawn. Yeah, Lashawn slapping Lee. it. So. You know, a lot of people don't take the time to sit down and say, man, let me let me see. Let me talk to this guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's why I commend you because uh, it was a part of the time, and, and even in comedy, where I was just fed up with everybody. I, 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 I used to put so many people on, I got just got tired of putting people on. And i never forget one day you was like, man, where you going to put me on? I was tired. I was tired. I said, man, I done helped so many people. And they know it. Y'all know it. Y'all know it. Be real with yourself. Y'all know it. If I name drop, I just never name drop because it don't make sense. Right. I want you to like me for me at that time, point of time. So, yeah, it started in 97, man. It started in 97. And then it emerged when I got back home from school. And it's another guy. We talked together in the same school that I graduated from, that I was Mr. Mm -hmm. Ryan. His name was Eddie B. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See? Uh-huh. He taught, he taught science, I taught history. We used to eat every day. Like, man, he had characters. He said, man, man, you gonna come down and do characters for me? Yeah, man, I'll come, whatever. Man, I'm down with you, well, let's do it. Bam, blew up. Ali, blew up. Now, you mind, mind you, these are the guys that I really, really started with. Right. You understand? Eddie Brown, Eddie B. Characters every every Tuesday fired up and what's a lot about it, I got it on tape. Then some of it's trending on on YouTube. So yeah, you had all the hot comedians that's hot right now. The Billy Sorrells, the the uh, Grossman, the Eddie B. Uh, you know I go on and on about just about people in general. That was that was there in the building. James Blaze, you know Brady Bob. Now you got to mind you. Ali Sadiq got his room at Diallo's. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hitting that room, bam. You know, bumming some nights. Yeah. Never forget, Ali was like, man, you funny, fool. Man, but you need a set. I said, what the hell? I'm just used to getting up on stage going hard, man. Well, he like, a set? Brady Ball, get you a set, man. From that point to right now, I've been setting up. Hmm. You understand? Been setting up because it took a friend of mine to say, man, you got something. But you ain't, you just everywhere. Come up with a set, Bob. And the, I, I got it on tape. You understand? I got it on tape. So, to be honest with you, those guys were some of the forefronts that I started with. And now, what's happening right now, the type of heart I have, I got to help everybody. I want to help everybody. But people are so stuck on the moment of what you are now, not even... Checking your resume. And see, that's what it is. A lot of these cats never checked my resume because I never said nothing. Mm -hmm. 
But I want to go back to a point that you made earlier. Uh, where I approached you when I first met you, and uh, yeah, I was tired. Yeah, but yeah. but but see, but see, this what I did. But I'm 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 finna commit to that. But look, this what I did. Mm -hmm. I flipped the whole game because I built my own. You did, and that's why I was so proud of you. For you to even have me right here, I'm so proud of you because what's what's happening is, man. I had man, I helped so many comedians. Come on, y'all, be real with yourself. Be real with y'all self. And I know y'all watching. Uh, Brady Ball got tired. You know what I'm saying? I got tired. Man, I'm I'm, I'm showing people the game. Sell these tickets. Mm -hmm. So when they come to the show, mm -hmm. you got your your set of people. Your I give you ten tickets. Some of these, some of y'all couldn't even sell ten tickets. So when the show packed, mm -hmm. when I get on stage, everybody laughs. <laughs> when they get on stage, they ain't saying nothing. They're my people. If I give you ten tickets, can't sell ten tickets. Come on, man. You know who you really think you are. I was carrying people on my back. That's why I had this thing called X-Men of Comedy. Okay, okay. Now, one thing I did notice with the X-Men of Comedy, you took people that had that had certain talents yeah. and you meshed them together. Now, these were, how I would say, a motley crew. People that you wouldn't put together, that you wouldn't... No, I put, put people together. on that didn't, other people wouldn't even dare mess with. Okay. That's what it was. Okay. You understand? So, if I'm if God steady giving me blessings, and I'm doing this, like highball, I'm steady blessing everybody else, but God was like, man, hold on, man. So now that's why I'm at the point where I'm at right now. So, what happened was I was trying to help everybody else. Man, fool, help yourself first. So, I never get, you're like, boy, when you going to put me on something, man? And I was like, I got you, man. But at that point of the time, my mind was so made up. Like, man, I can't keep helping everybody. Because guess what? I put all these people on, and nobody even just say, Brady Bob, thank you, man. When you when you out and about, when you get amongst them stars, tell the truth. Man, Brady Bob was one of the people that put me on first. That's all I want. I got my own money. I don't need none of y'all money. Yeah. Every time I throw a show, it's asses in the seats. Excuse my language. Yes, packed. But so, I mean, and you're one man show. Thing, so I'm not gonna stop. You yeah, one man show. So if 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 I'm giving people ten tickets and you can't sell ten tickets, so imagine if I got five comedians on one show, that's fifty people. Right. I got the other hundred. They coming. The hundred people out for me. Mm -hmm. They coming to see me. Man, I be getting tickets back. I couldn't sell. You give me eight tickets back? Yo, you come on, man. Come on, man. So, okay. Come on, man. Okay. Come so, on, man. Right. It, it doesn't it doesn't add up. So, so if I could paraphrase what you're trying to say to the people is that you try to arm them with the skills to for them to learn how to fish, but they didn't have the ethic to go through with it. And then get mad at me because the crowd is laughing at me. I can't help it. Because you brought them now. I brought them now. I'm supposed to. Man, if you can't, you got a room that holds 100 people and you can't pack it out, you trash. And I used to tell them the truth. Okay, look, okay, but hey, now, I'm going to tell you something you else. Trash. Look, I'm gonna tell you trash. And I'm talking about me. I'm going to tell you something. That's what I said to not myself. Man, that Brady Ball, if you can't pack out a room, you trash, bro. I had to look myself in the mirror like this. You 
You trash, Brady Ball. So whoever wants to jump down with me, see, X-Man of Comedy was more like, you got your own special powers. Mm -hmm. I got my own special powers. When we come together, we 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 joining forces. Mm -hmm. That go to the moment. So when people out there are laughing, and then the comedians getting jealous at me, come on, y'all. I'm I'm all you gotta do is go by the plan, and I'm you get to keep the money. You I give you ten tickets. I don't even you know some promoters that say give me half of that. Mm -hmm. Me, Brady Barbers, you can have the, the that money. That's your money. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pay you. And I'm paying you. Now, now, check this out. Come on, man. Now, check this out. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. Now, you say X-Men of Comedy. Now, who would be the head of X-Men of Comedy? Who? who? Who would be the leader? Me, I'm the black Professor X. Okay. Yeah. So... By them having the problem of getting jealous, you bestowing all of these gifts, all of these blessings to them. You getting the adulation, and they feel like they may be the fifth heartbeat. Could you possibly see it from their point of view? It's about business. What your business game is like. But see, that's the thing. See, a lot of people don't understand business. But see, that's the thing. When you start to get those people in those environments, but and, was, you, and you bring them on, but you bring them on, and I talk them. But they don't have that ingrained in them already. They don't but have. See, I don't know that even off the rip. I don't know your business sense. You don't. So what I'm doing is my job as a leader to show you. Hey, look, here go. I got I got 150 tickets off the rip. I got five comedians on the show. Either I'm going to host or headline. Either one. Bam. Here go 10 tickets. Here go 10 tickets. Here go 10 tickets. Here go 10 tickets. Y'all sell them. Keep the money. And that's every show. And it, it's not the same comedians. It's different comedians in the city. But what would be your vetting process to even work with them? Because, because nobody else in the no. city wanted to even work with them. So what I did that was. That might be the reason. What I did was. I'm like, man, you know what? I feel y'all. You know, you know, if you see a pit bull puppy on the, on the, on the street, you know he'll, that's a pit bull. You nurse him, man, that boy can be, uh, uh, you, look, you don't know what, and that's what I saw. I saw the future. So that's who I am. I see the future because I done came. You, if you knew my past, you know it can happen. So me, okay, you got something. Just work on this. And I ain't trying to tell you I do you. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to show you how to, how to make you some money. While you work you. on your craft, and that's what it was. I'm business savage. Ain't nobody messing with me in the city when it comes to putting asses in them seats. Yeah, I've been doing that. I'm gonna be real, and they know that. And so if I if I if I be cocky, even if I'm humble, if I'm cocky, they don't like that. If I'm humble, they try to run over me. So my whole thing is. I got to find a way, an edge to say, you know what? Y'all got me effed up, really. You know but, what I'm saying? But see, this is where I tell you how I can learn. Yeah. Clear, clear. Now, when dealing with certain folks, deal with them in black and white rather than the gray. I didn't the, know that. Because, see, the gray spot going to always get you to a point where you're going to have My heart too big. Right. But so I don't even, I'm not even worried about no gray. Look, because it's like this. Because I want to help everybody. Yeah, but That's see, why. but see. 
even though we embody what God is and what Jesus is, we can't save everybody. And, 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 and a, a comedian by the name of Tone Payne told me that. A word. Tone Payne said, Brady Bob, let some of these drown. Mm. Let them drown, Bob. You, you can't beat Jesus. He told me that. And Tone no, ain't lying. Well, he watching it now because you know he watching it. Yeah, yeah Tone. Shout out to Tone. Yeah, big Tone, shout out to Tone. Look, look Tone is, yeah. one of, is one of my dear friends. Yeah. Now, I'm just telling you this unbiased and just yeah. out of perspective. Now, when you, now, now, now even though you, even you telling me this, when you ask me, I swear, man, I was so drained. I'm like, man, I can't help everybody, man. I want to help the dude because I see his drive. But I instinctively saw the future like, oh, he's going to be straight. You t then he looked like Pimp C. Then he, I'm thinking like, man, I need to put him on a movie. That's what you, that's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. He need to play Pimp C. Man, put me on. But then I see your set. I say, man, you got to get stronger. You remember I told you that? Yeah. You got to get stronger. You you got it. But your business savage set, set in. And look now. Now you put me on. You feel me? Some people don't have that. Some people you don't even got to help. Because you, you can honestly see and say, oh, he going to be straight. He going to be, I, I knew that from the get-go. Because you, 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 your confidence level was so high. I'm like, hey, look at this big old dude. Think he... He think he lied, but I was like, he is lying. Big old, he clean, big old dude, he like me, big dude, and he ain't, he got confidence. He going to be all right. There's some, there's some people you don't got to wing. Mm -hmm. You know, I ain't have to stroke your ego. You understand? Appreciate and that's real talk. I didn't have to. And I ain't saying that because, you know, we right here right now. Man, man, if I tell you what I gross... If I, if I tell y'all what I gross, Brady Bob gross in these streets and comedy when y'all boys are scared to, to, no, I ain't going to tell you. <laughs> if I tell you what I gross doing comedy, man, boy, you hey, it's, it's 7.9 million people here in Houston. If you can't get 10 people, if you can't get 10 people, if you can't get 20 people, you can't get 30 people. You can't get 40 people at your show, you trash. Flat out. I don't care if you're the top comedian or you're the bottom comedian here in Houston, 7.9 million people in, in the city. So I go with numbers. So I go with numbers. So look, I'm also going to put this out there yeah. too. So for those who may have had a disagreement with you, those who I may have, look, look, those who may have had a grievance. I, I still love them. This is one thing that I can tell them. The easiest thing that you can do is approach a person direct and be honest with your words and tell them exactly how you feel. Me and you had a discussion like this. Yeah. We ain't got to talk about it, but at the same time, when we talk, we understood each other, and from then on, we was there. Let me show you something about you. Mm -hmm. The difference between other comedians that got stuff going on, I put y'all on, I don't want nothing. You got your own, you came and put me on yours. And then some of these cats that made it. They they doing their thing here in Houston. Now one time they came back and said, Brady, come here, man. Let me put you on my show. Come here. And, and, and just, to, just to show you, I never put him on none of my shows. But he reached back and said, come here, Brady Bob. I want you on my show. But we've been working on this for a while. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about the comedy show. Yeah, 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 but we were working on that on a while too. 
But, but, but imagine mm -hmm. how many people that I did that now, and I look and I see them, they doing their thing. On, and I go on social media and look, mm -hmm. and I say, they doing their thing. I say, okay. Now, one time when they came back and said, I appreciate Brady Ball. Now, I'm going to tell you who do. Trilly Poe do. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Man, I name some Boy, if I start dr name dropping on some of these cats that, 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 that's doing this comedy, and you know for a fact you came begging to say, man, put me on the show, Brady Ball. Man, when you going to put me on the card? When you going to do it? And then I did it. And then they doing their thing and don't even say, Brady Ball. Man, man, how much you charge? I probably would say, man, I ain't tripping. Man, just, I'm going to do it on the, on the low. For you and just just put something in my pocket. Mm -hmm. I got money, man. But guess what? I was homeless while I was doing all this stuff, man. But you never knew it. Yeah. You guys never knew it. I was homeless. Yeah. Thrift store closed up, cleaned in the sun, mama. You ain't know that. But I never let y'all see me sweat. So when y'all see me on, on 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 social media and I'm getting on asses. Cause I'm hurt. Cause y'all didn't even reach back and say, "Come on, Brady Ball, how you did me? Come on, man." That's, and that's not right. But I gave it to God. But, but see, I'm good now. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, look, I know. Yeah. So, yeah. if you had, I'm blessed now. Look, Been blessed. If you had, if you had <laughs> one last thing mm -hmm. to tell the world about where you're going now, your trajectory. Because right now, you're saying that people are just not seeing you emerging. In the now, I've been doing comedy for 20 years, man. But now, you, you, know? you now you getting your shine. You're getting your time. But, but been, see, it's been your time. It's, it, it was God. Okay. See, God, see, God want to see what I'm going to do. See, now, man, if I if, 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 if I ruffle my feathers and get back how I used to be, y'all really couldn't handle me. Man, I be seeing, I be seeing so many fake love. I see so much fake love out here in these streets, man. But I still show them love. This, I, I, I see boss, they done talked about me and then they got back to me because I'm so well connected in these streets. Yeah, I'm your favorite rapper, rapper, friend, or, or, or best friend. or Yeah, I can name drop all day. Your favorite rappers and rappers that's even in the industry call me, Brady Boy, what you think I need to do to this? Your favorite rapper. Your favorite comedian, they call him Brady Bob. Your favorite NFL player, call him Brady Bob for laughter. Your favorite, call him me, my phone. And y'all don't even know it. Now, so if I name drop, then people be like, damn. Then, that, then that's with respect. I don't want that. I want you to love me from the first time you saw me. So when people talking about it and they get back to me, you don't know who that person is that you talking about, talking to about me. They gonna come and tell me, mm -hmm. man. These people talking about you, man. You know that? Mm -hmm. I'm like for real. And then when I see them in the city, I still show them love. And then they looking at me like, damn. I want did he know I was I was talking about him? But and but I know you was talking about me, but I never said nothing because I'm a man. I don't gotta but, but I don't gotta jaw jack with you. Them numbers don't lie, and you ain't effing with me. Period. Whoever you is, yeah. Straight up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, and I tell you, the gross, you won't, you won't be able to handle it. Yeah, you won't be handling it. You won't be able to handle it. But I'm humble. You know? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Comedy is great for Brady Ball. Great. Like Tony the Tiger. 
great. Yeah. I, I'm good with my numbers. <laughs> so if the people want to find you. How they want to find me? How do they get in contact with you? Come see you. Do what you Man, want. I mess around be at their big mama highs. Oh. Eating fish. Okay. <laughs> Her cooking for me. <laughs> hey. Now I'm just serious. But anyway, uh, <laughs> now, you can find me, Brady Ball, comedian Brady Ball, man, look, uh, Instagram, that's all I got. My Facebook feel, I can't get no more friends. So if you want me, you can get me on Instagram, comedian Brady Ball. And the other page, because I'm a teacher, the other page is for them badass kids, you understand, that be in my business. Yeah, so, yeah, but comedian Brady Ball, yeah, all right. that's how they can find me, man. Well, it's been an honor and a privilege to have you on. Yeah, it's a privilege to even be in the presence of a pimp. You hear me? <laughs> Working the wheel. Don't look like him. See y'all. Look at him. I'm telling you, he need to play pimp. He need to play the pimp. I'm telling y'all, he need to play the pimp. That's for all the producers. Now watch how everybody going to be calling me. You do look like pimp C, bro. They've been saying that for you. When they used to be heavy, they used to call me 40. Nah, they wrong in the way. He fit to sell. <laughs> nah, you look yeah. like Pimp C though, yeah. like right now. Like yeah. you need to yeah. you need to be the pimp. Yeah. So that's for anybody that wanna plug him to play the pimp. He's very educated and he's he know how to articulate himself. So put him on, man. Quit hating. Put him on, man. Put him on. As a look alike. So put him on. Look here. So this is how I normally end the show. I normally end the show with a nice monologue. Yeah. So today I'm gonna wrap everything up. Mm -hmm. So, we had, earlier today, we had uh, Brother Ben Daniel. He came on here. He gave us his insight into his comedy. He also gave you his insight into what, what lured him to the path of being a comedian, also his struggles with addiction, and also his triumph with addiction. We salute him in his two and a half years of sobriety. That's what's up. Then we had That's Brady Bob. Brady Bob took you through the genesis of his, his journey. He's the Forrest Gump of the South Side because he done been everywhere. He done seen a lot. Been around the world three times. Been around the world three times. One, two, three. Love y'all. We'll be here next week. Want to shout out to our illustrious gentlemen that were on the cast with us here today. Tune in. Subscribe, like, comment, and share. Also, give us an inbox. If you liked anything you heard today or you had any question about anything you heard today or you want to refute anything, if you have a certain statue, you can be right here in this seat and we can talk about it. Till then, we'll see you next week. Hello, fam. Ken Mills here once again. The world of comedy vibes entertainment. To give you the idea of what unbiased is, we always see things on social media and also in the world where we wonder what is the thought process behind these idiotic things that people do. We're going to give an honest, unbiased opinion. So with that being said, we're going to cover several different topics. We're going to be truly unbiased this season.